This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. Let's talk about the communion of the saints thing. Because here's the first thing that popped into my head as I was reading through this, right? When you hear that phrase, communion of the saints... Is that something that you automatically categorize, categorize yourself into? Does that make sense? Like when you hear the word saint, do you immediately think, oh, that's me? <laughs> Are you guys following me, right? Because, you know, you'll talk to people and they'll be like, oh, my mom's a saint, you know? Or, oh, uh, this person, man, they're just, they're so great. They're just, they're such a saint. Or, or then you look at like the actual like saints in the Catholic church, you know? And you look at all these, all these awesome people that have done amazing things. And, and I think when we hear the word saint, we don't necessarily group ourselves into that category. Am I right? Like, a lot of the time, when, I, when I've heard church people talk about themselves specifically, a lot of the time they use the word sinner. Um, and they say, you know, I'm just, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. How many of you guys have heard that? I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And, and even though the intention is great, the intention is wonderful, I completely understand. I mean, I get the struggle. Like, I sin on a consistent daily basis. I get it. Like, we're not perfect. There's sin in each and every one of our lives. But... That is not what we are identified as any longer. And I'm going to show you guys here just real quick. There's a passage in Ephesians that Paul writes about. And he essentially says, like, that, that was the old you. And if you identify with Christ, that's not you anymore. And so in, in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verses 21 through 24, he says, Since you have heard about Jesus and you've learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So, first things first. This is the first order of business, and then we'll go somewhere else completely. When the Apostles' Creed says the communion of the saints, it is talking about you. You are a saint. Take that home to, like, your family, right? <laughs> I am a saint. Don't talk to me that way, you know. Um, but you are a saint. And so when it says communion of the saints, immediately we tend to kind of pull ourselves out of that statement. And I just want you guys to completely understand, scripturally, biblically, the way that the Apostle Paul writes about us is that we are no longer sinners. We sin, yes, but we are saints. We live in this new reality. We've, we've been established in this new, this new order. I mean, Jesus has made us holy and he calls us holy and he calls us to live into that. Are you guys with me? And so when it says communion of the saints, it's talking about you, which is one of the coolest things in the world. But um, I want to talk today about how this communion of the saints idea kind of ties into where we've been with the series previously. Because see, in the first week we talked about God the Father, right? And, and we talked about how God the Father is a loving Father, and He's a good Father, and all that. And then in the second week, we talked about Jesus, the Son, right? And, and we talked about how Jesus is the exact and full representation of God, and that, that Jesus is what we are called to be as humans. Jesus is humanity in its fullest, most glorious form. And, and then we talked in week three about the Holy Spirit, and, and we talked about how what's the loudest voice in your life, you know? Uh, is, is the voice of the Spirit 
having to compete with all these other voices that are constantly going in our heads. And if you guys have noticed, so far, we've talked through the Trinity. We talked through the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And, and now we're talking about this communion of the saints idea. And actually, what we're going to be talking about is our participation in the Trinity, which actually which might sound a little weird to some of you, hang on, it's going to be really awesome. Um, but we're talking about our participation in the Trinity. But before we do that, I want to talk about your body, okay? I want to talk about your body before we do that. I was tempted to, like, come up with a reference to, like, a questionable pop song, but I figured that's more Sam's MO, so... Um, <laughs> I know he doesn't, like, intentionally do it. It just pops up. It's like, you know... Sometimes he'll start singing, and I'm like, really? You went there? Um, but I was going to do it. I was going to do it just so he wasn't alone, and I decided, you know what? I'll leave that up to him. That's cool. Um, but first, before we do that, I want to talk about your body because, see, you know that you know, we all have a body, right? We all have a body, and this is my body, right? And you each have a body. Um, but, see, when we zoom in, we start to realize that your body is not just your body. Let me, let me explain. Your body is composed of things, correct? Like your body is composed of organs. So like I have a body, but, but if you zoom in a little bit, I'm not just a body because I'm kind of like, it's weird to think about it this way, but I'm kind of like eyeballs and a kidney and a liver and, well, two kidneys. I mean, some people have two kidneys um, and a liver and, and like a gallbladder and, and a brain and an intestinal tract Right? I mean, this is a little weird, right? But, but we're all just these, like, this, we're this conglomeration of organs, right? Are you guys following me? Yes? You're all giving me blank stares, like, why are you talking about your intestinal tract? Um, but we're all this conglomeration of organs, right? And, and then, if you don't stop there and you continue to zoom in, these organs are not just an organ, right? Because we know from science that organs are made out of cells, Right? And so you keep zooming in, and now you've got all of these cells. So not only am I a conglomeration of organs, but this organ is a conglomeration of different kinds of cells. Are you guys with me? Okay. And so now we've got all these, like, cells, and they're all together to form, like, my kidney, or to form, like, my liver, or to form my eyes, or to form my skin, or to form my nose that's a little bit bigger than it should be. Um, you, guys, you guys feeling me? And then from there... If we continue to zoom in, not only are we a conglomeration of cells, but we are, those cells are composed by atoms, right? Are you, you guys kind of familiar here? These cells are composed by atoms, and all of these atoms are just swirling around like crazy, and they, they make these cells, and then these cells make these organs, and then these organs make these bodies, um, and, but, but it doesn't stop there. So if you continue to zoom in, not only are these atoms swirling around in these cells, and you know, these cells are composed of millions and millions of atoms, but if you continue to zoom in, these atoms that compose the cells are also composed of things that are so small we just call them subatomic particles. <laughs> There's like so many things going on in there, and we still, like, I'm, I'm not very smart, like, in general, but if you... <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Um, but, but if you, I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I read a lot of stuff. And if you read anything or you listen to somebody who does quantum physics, they'll tell you they have no clue what the heck these subatomic particles do. Half of them, they're like, we don't know. 
actually, we thought it did this, and then uh, we, we measured it, and then it did that. But then when we watched it, it did something different. I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy because I feel like half of quantum physics is like, oh, I don't know. You know? It's like, dude, I could be a quantum physicist. That's easy. Um, <laughs> sorry if there's any quantum physicists in the room. Actually, if there are, tell me. I want to talk to you. Um, but are you guys, you guys are with me, right? We've got these you know, bodies, but they're composed of organs. And then we've got these organs, but they're composed of cells. And then we've got these cells, and then they're composed of atoms. And that's kind of how we roll. So when I say my body, I say my body. My body is a thing, but it's a thing made up of a lot of other things, which are made up a lot of other things, which are made up a lot of other things, which are made up of a lot of other things. Are you guys, are you guys with me? You're probably like, where in the world is he going with this? What if, I, what if I were to tell you that you had, like, something toxic in your cells, right? Or, or, like, what if I said you had cancer, but only in your pancreas, that's all. Only, only in your liver, that's it. What would you say? Like, if you went to the doctor, you're like, hey, I think there's something wrong with me. He's like, yeah, there's something super toxic and dangerous in just, like, a couple of your cells, no big deal. Go home. What would you say? You'd be like, no. That, no, it doesn't work like that. You see, like, yeah, it's just my cells, but these cells compose organs, and these organs compose my body, and, like, if my cells aren't okay, then my body's not okay, right? Like, you're the doctor here. You should be telling me this, right? Are you guys with me? If I told you that there was something toxic in your cells, you would be like, whoa, hold up we got to fix this, right? This is a problem. Because we know that even though our body is made up of a lot of smaller things, those smaller things are important. And, and every one of those body parts belong. If I were to tell you, yeah, you know what? You can keep your body, but we're just going to take your hand. Just, just your right hand. That's all. You'd be like, whoa, hold up. No, that's part of my body. Like, I need that to do things. I'm right-handed. I don't know how I'm going to write if you take my right hand. Are you guys with me? And so we have this understanding with our bodies that, you know, just because it has different parts doesn't mean that one of the parts is any less important than the other parts, right? Like, we have this understanding of kind of how our body works, and we're like, no, 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 no. If my cells are sick, my cells need to get better. They can't just be left alone and cast to the side. That's a problem. Like, they're a part of my body, and I love my body, and I want my body to function correctly. Now... What if I told you that your body, as you know it, is a part of a bigger body? You guys with me? What if I told you that your body, as you know it, is a part of a larger body? See, in Ephesians 4, we just read through where, you know, Paul says that we are no longer sinners, we are saints, and that's how we identify, and, and God has made us holy. The very next verse, 4, 25, he says, so stop telling lies, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13, he says, the human body has many parts but the many parts make up one whole body, and so it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews and some are Gentiles. You can throw any, any nationality in there. Some are slaves and some are free. You can throw socioeconomic statuses in there. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. 
and we all share the same spirit. Later on in verse 27, he says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And so the Apostle Paul is writing to this church, and the church that he's writing to in this specific letter, there was a lot of fighting going on. There was a lot of like, yeah, well, you think that? Well, you're stupid because I think this. Or like, you know, there was a lot of like, oh, but you're, you come from that era, that part of the world, and oh, man... We just don't roll with those kind of people. Or like, you know, there was a lot of like, well, you know, we have like this much money, but you only have like this much money, so we can't really, you know, get along. There was a lot of fighting, and there was a lot of like, hey, you think this about God, but we think this about God. And, and you know what, you guys you know what I'm saying? There was so much quarreling and so much arguing in this Corinthian church. And when Paul writes to them, he says, listen... You know how your body works, right? You know how, like, one part is not any more important than the other. It just is. Like, you know how your appendix, like, we don't know what the heck it does. Like, like doctors don't know what the heck it does. But then when it gets all swollen and infected, you're like, oh, my gosh, you got to get this out of me, right? And Paul says, you know how that is? You are a part of a larger body, and one part is not any less or more important than the other. It's just another part, He says, you are all the body of Christ. And so when Paul is talking about this, he says, you are a part of a larger body. And I think that this is such an important message because I don't know about you guys. I don't know what you see, what your Facebooks look like, what your Twitter feed looks like. But for me, I see a lot of arguing I see a lot of quarreling, and not just, you would think it would be just the people that don't know Jesus, not, you know, the people that, that, that don't associate as a Christ follower, but for me, the thing that I've experienced is those people, they don't care. They're not fighting. It's the people that are in the house. It's the people that are like, it's the people that are, that are identifying as Christ followers, the people that are saying, yeah, I, I love Jesus and I, I follow him. I've given my life to follow him. And, and what we have is we have these people that are like, you think that? Well, you're an idiot, and you know what? You're not even saved, and you're not even part of the church, and you're... And it's like, hold up, man. Because Paul says, like, you know how your body works, right? Like, how every part is important. You see, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you think, what you believe. It doesn't matter what your, what your money situation looks like. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what your skin color is. Like, you are all a part of the same Body. And I think that that's why the Apostles' Creed is so important. Because we've got all these people that are arguing about everything under the sun. It's just, I am guilty of it too. I love to argue. I don't know what it is about me. Like a flip, a switch flips, and I'm just like, it's go time. And I'm like, you know? But this is how it is. And, and when we live in this world, when we live in this time, and especially with social media and the internet and all this, all this craziness, you guys know what I'm talking about. I don't have to explain it. The Apostles' Creed is so important because it says, hey, this is the basics. This is just, this is just the basics. And, and you notice there, there's nothing in there about, like, really deep theologies. There's nothing in there about, like, political junk. There's nothing in there about, you know, like, who should be a member of the church and who should not. No, no, no. It's just like, hey, you, you want to roll with the Jesus people? This is... This is what we believe. You guys with me? And I think that that's so important. And I think that's, that's something that we need, to, we need to plant our flag on. That's something that we need to be like, hey, 
We are the people, I love how many times in all of Paul's letters, he's like, just, just don't argue. It's just that easy, like, just don't argue, just don't complain, don't argue, there shouldn't be any quarreling among you, do whatever you can to live peaceably with everyone. I mean, over and over again, he's just like, listen, that's not the point, man, like, you guys are all a part of the same thing, so let's just act like it. And, and it's crazy, I'm going to throw a verse up on the screen that, that we used last week when we talked about the Holy Spirit, but there's something in there that I want to pull out. John 14, verse 20, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and this is right kind of before the end of his life, and he, you know, ascends into heaven and all that, and he says, when I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Is that like a little bit of a mind game? You know, you know that, um, that optical illusion where it's a staircase and it just keeps going up? Have you guys seen that? If you haven't seen it, Google it. Like, pull your phone out right now. It's crazy. But you're looking, you're following the staircase and you're like, wait, how, how does it not go down but it still connects and it's, it's just, it's this weird thing. Jesus is talking to like these first century fishermen, right? And he's like, when I'm raised from the dead, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And do you understand how, like, that would, like, the lines get just super blurry, right? Because he's like, I, I am part of, you know, God, because I, I am God, I'm Jesus, you know. <laughs> and, but then he's like, but, but you are in me. Like, just as I am in God, you are in me. And then he says, and I am in you. So, so is God in us? Yeah. Are we in God? Yeah. Is Jesus in God? Yes. Is God in Jesus? Yes. And do you understand how the lines start to get a little bit blurry? Being a first century fisherman, especially hearing this, you're like, hmm, not sure what that means, but I think we're all connected. <laughs> you guys follow me? Like, I'm really not sure what that means, but I think that we're all connected. The lines start to get a little blurry. And you see, from the beginning, God was community, right? We've talked about this a few times. But from the beginning, God was community. He was the Trinity. And so we've got the Father and the Son and the Spirit all together. There's this, there's this word that the, that the early, early church fathers would use. It's a Greek word called perichoresis which is fun to say, right? And it's this idea that the Trinity all loved and self-sacrificed for the rest of the Trinity. And so this idea from the beginning of, well, forever, because God's eternally existent, which is, a, which is just mind-boggling, but from the very, 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 very beginning, which there was no beginning, but from the very beginning, just for our, our ability to wrap our minds around it, God has been showing an example of community and love and self-sacrifice because we don't just have God, but we have God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit, and they are so intertwined that they are the same. But then we also have these three different aspects of God, and they all kind of swirl along around each other. And it, are you guys with me? This is like really, this is, this is really next level stuff, but this, this perichoresis idea was this idea that, 
that God the Father is always in this mode of love and self-sacrifice for God the Son. And God the Son is always in this mode of love and self-sacrifice for the Spirit. And the Spirit is always in this mode of love and self-sacrifice for the other two members of the Godhead. Are you guys, are you guys with me? And so, this idea that, that God has been this community and he's been this, he's been this example of love and self-sacrifice from the beginning... Jesus starts saying things like, I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And we start to get this picture of like, wait, I think I'm a part of this. And, and the craziest thing is, is that we start to think, oh, well, that's, that's just the people that believe in Jesus. That's just like the church, right? But then the lines get even more blurry because in Matthew 25, Jesus starts telling this story, and he's telling this parable and, and he's, he's essentially, he says, like, you know, there's, there's going to be this day where, I, where the, I come back and I decide who was good and who was bad and who was the sheep and who was the goats. And he starts to separate people. And the way that he separates them is by if they have done the right thing to people in need, right? And so then he goes to the people that did the right thing and he said, when I was hungry, you fed me. And when I was thirsty, you gave me drink, and when I was naked, you clothed me, and when I was in prison, you came to visit me. And they say, but when did we see you? We, we don't remember this. <laughs> we, we totally didn't realize. I mean, maybe I did feed Jesus, and I just didn't recognize him, right? And they're like, how, how does that happen? And then Jesus says the same thing on the opposite side. He says the converse thing, which was, you know, he goes to the people that didn't do the right thing, and, and he says... When I was hungry, you ignored me. You didn't feed me. And when I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. And when I was in prison, you didn't come and visit me. And they say the same thing. They're like, Jesus, when did we ever see you hungry and ignore you? As far as I can remember, that never happened. And, and in Matthew 25, 40, it says, And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So he paints this picture of people in need, and, and he says, when you, when you fulfill the need of people that are hurting, people that are starving, people that are suffering injustice, you are doing it to me. You guys get how like blurry these lines are getting? He's like, you know, you'll know that I'm in the Father, and, and you are in me, and I am in you, and there's this, so you're like, oh, I think I'm part of this. And then he goes... Hey, you know that homeless guy on the corner that's begging for food every day when you pass on your way to work? I'm him. What? Like, you, you know those refugees that really need help? I am them. You know those babies that don't have parents that are, like, struggling in the foster system and just don't have a very good life for themselves and, and they need someone to step up and, and be there for them. I am them. And you start to go, wait, wait, wait. Like all, every single box, every single thing that we have to like sort things into just shatters, right? We're like, I don't know how to process this mentally. Like not only am I a part of what God has going on with this whole love and self-sacrifice thing, but then on top of that, Jesus says, when I meet the needs of needy people, I am doing it to him. 
And it's this great mystery that somehow Jesus inhabits, Christ inhabits all of humanity. And he's taken all of humanity and he's said, I love this thing. I'm not done with it yet. I love this race. I'm not done with them yet. And he has pulled us up into this cycle of love and self-sacrifice that he has been part of from the beginning. You guys with me? And so uh, when, I was, when I was in uh, a more charismatic church a few years back, we used to sing a lot of songs. I mean, we'd sing. I, I love leading worship, but we would sing like three, four times a week. It's like, all right, hour, hour here, hour there, hour here. You know what I mean? You sing the same songs like four times a week or something like that, but, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just it's what it was. Um, but we used to sing these songs a lot like, I want more of you, God. I want more of you. You know, have you guys heard stuff like that? Or, or we used to sing, like, you know, stuff about how, like, we want to see God, you know, or about how, like, we want to touch God, right? And, and we would sing all these songs, and, and, and half the time I'd be sitting there like, this sounds great, but I just don't know what it means. Have you guys ever been there? You're like, this sounds great, I just don't know what it means. Because, like, I, I'm saying I want to see God, but, like, if God actually showed up here and I saw him with my eyes, I'd be freaked out, right? Or, like, I say I want to touch God, but, like, what does that even look like, right? And, and it, it just got a little weird, and, and I was just kind of like, I, I just don't, I don't know if I can sing these songs anymore because I, I don't know what they mean. And, and then we start to look at this reality that Jesus is showing us, which is that humanity has been inhabited by Christ, is that humanity has been wrapped up and been involved and enveloped in this cycle of sacrifice and, and, and love. And Jesus says, like, when you do it unto the least of these, you do it unto me. And so scripture lays out super clearly. I mean, if you read through 1 John, it's like the whole first four chapters. He says, do you want to love God? Love people, because that's what God loves he even goes as far as to say, and we don't have it on the screen, but he goes as far as to say, like, if you claim that you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. It's pretty harsh, right? If you claim to love God, but you don't love your brother, you don't love the person sitting in the chair next to you, you don't love the person sitting on the bus next to you, you don't love the person sitting in the cubicle next to you, then you're a liar and you don't love God at all. Wow. Wow. But he goes as far as to say, like, we have been wrapped up into this thing. And the way that we express our love for God is by loving the humanity that he loves and that he has taken on through Christ. Are you guys, are you guys with me? And so it's like, do you want to know God? Get to know your neighbor. Do you want to love God? Do you want to be a part of this love and self-sacrifice? How do we love God? How, you know, God loves us. We know that. How do we love him back? How do we do that? Like, what does it mean? I used to stand there and, and sing these songs and be like, apparently this is like, I don't know. Like, when I say, I love you, God, like in a song, like, apparently that's what the creator of the universe wants. <laughs> Sounds silly, doesn't it? But God himself says, listen, this is how you love me. Love one another. We're, we're going to take communion today, and so the band's going to 
head up here in a little bit, but I think the coolest thing about communion is, is kind of what Jesus establishes and lays out right during the Lord's Supper. And we miss this a lot. We miss this a lot. But what happens is Jesus, you know, gets all of his closest friends, all his disciples together with him, and they sit around this table. And then he goes around and he washes each of their feet. God himself on his hands and knees, wiping crud off in between the big toe and your weird middle finger toe, right? (laughs) And Jesus is going around and he's washing these disciples' feet and he's showing them this incredible love and this incredible sacrifice and he's laying himself down in front of them. And then he says, John 13, 34 through 35, he says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And so, so when Jesus breaks the bread, he says, this is my body broken for you, you know? And when he, when he distributes the cup, he says, this is my blood which is poured out for you. But then at the same time, Paul writes that we are the body of Christ. You guys with me? 1 Corinthians 10, 15 through 17, Paul writes, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. And so just as like God invites us into this flow of self-sacrificial love, he, he doesn't just expect us to love him back in a sense of us returning our love directly to him, but he says, hey, turn, turn to your neighbor. You, you understand that I love you, right? You get it. You see this self-sacrificial model, and Jesus says, here's a new command I'm going to give you. Love one another. Love one another. And it's that simple. And just as Jesus, just as the presence of Christ is so real, when we take the bread and the cup, and for, for centuries now, the church has, has said, you know, the presence of God is there when we take communion. Jesus says, when two or more are gathered in my name, I am there also. And so Jesus says like this, this is the body of Christ. Do you wanna see God? Look around, like look at your neighbor. Like this is the body of Christ. This is God. And and here's the crazy thing is that when we love each other, when we really love each other, and I'm not talking about superficial stuff. I'm not talking about like, you know, you get into arguments with people and they're like, oh, but I love you, but I love you. It's like, no, no, no. Uh, Subscribe.